0: there. We're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to freedom.
1: I am so excited. One of the things I'm really excited about as a church is that God is raising up voices. But I'm not the only voice. My wife is not the only voice. Pastor Corey's not the only voice. Nisa's is not the only voice. There's a voice of people that, not just the people that are up on the stage, but you. God is raising up people within the body that has a voice. And I want you to know something. Our, 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 our message this morning is coming from someone that has been given their lives for the last eight and a half years to Freedom. Uh, they were one of our first, um, they were part of our launch team. Uh, Shane and Sammy have been a part of, a very important part of our church from the beginning, from the outset, from jump. They met in our home as well when we were meeting in our home for a few months before we launched Freedom, and they were there from the beginning. And God has been doing some amazing things, especially in Sammy's life, particularly here for this morning. She, God gave her a word, and she came to me. She said, Pastor Tony, God gave me a word. And, and it's something very big. And I've been telling her, I want you to come speak. In fact, I told her weeks ago, start to prepare. And God gave her something, and I said, Come and share that with our people. So, as a faithful person of God, would you do me a favor and, and give a wonderful, wonderful round of applause and, and, and just encourage to our sister, Sammy, as she comes and brings the word? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Sammy's tray, everybody.
0: All right, love you, love you too. Thank you. you. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and address the elephant in the room. And yes, I have the little mermaid on my laptop. <laughs> um, and I thought I, maybe I should take it off, but that really wouldn't be true to myself. Uh, I love the little mermaid and my students love that Miss Sammy has the little mermaid on her laptop, so it's staying. So there it is. <laughs> um, but it's actually um, a funny story of how this all kind of came together and what God's been doing Not in just my heart, but just in our body over the last few weeks. And a few months ago, well, maybe a month and a half ago, Pastor Tony came in. as he said, he asked if I would consider preparing a message for Sunday morning. And as I'm always up for talent, I've never done it before, but I said, sure, I'd, I'd really love to do that. He's really good at just kind of gradually stretching me out of what just makes me comfortable. First it was the announcements, and then it was corporate prayer, and now it's the sermon. Uh, so I said, yes. And I went home and I asked the Holy Spirit, what is it that you have on your heart for these people? And I trusted him with the timing that it would all just work out. For whatever it was that he wanted to speak, that it, he would speak it through me. And so I came up with this entire other message than what I'm preaching this morning. Um, and maybe at some point that'll come of use in the future, but it had like a title and illustrations and bullet points and it was organized and it was finished. I thought, all right, we're good. So when, when Pastor Tony says, I'm ready, I'm good, I got this. And then about two weeks ago or so... Right before I was getting ready to go into surgery, I got up in the morning. I like to get up before, right, pretty much right after I put my oldest one on the bus. Sometimes I have like an hour to myself in prayer. And I just went to sit on the couch and spend my time with Jesus like I do in the morning. And um, immediately as I sat down, I hadn't even started to pray yet. I had a vision. And I'm a dreamer. God speaks to me in my dreams, but it's, it's really rare that I have a vision when I'm awake. So this was pretty special. And I saw myself standing in the middle of a battlefield. And on that battlefield, I was surrounded by an army. Only it wasn't an army that was against me. It was an army that was for me. And I could recognize the faces of people that had been specifically and divinely placed in my life through all different phases of my life who've been fighting my battles for me. And they were wielding swords and they were like armed and at the ready to defend me and to be on the offense for me. And I, it was anyone from family and friends and coworkers and bosses and teachers and mentors and people from the church. And just, I realized my whole life, I've been completely surrounded by the army of God. And it's so special. And I fell to my knees and I thanked him because this was sort of the first time that I realized this. And so, out of that, I grabbed my laptop and I wrote a completely different message from start to finish. And I thought, well, at some point, this could become of use. And last week, Pastor Corey brought a message about how the enemy can come in and take little bits of your joy and little bits of your peace and your contentment and and how just, he's very patient. He can just come in and steal little bits at a time until all of a sudden we look and he has the whole thing. He's got all of it and how patient he is. And about three quarters of the way through Pastor Corey's message, which by the way, if you didn't hear it, go back through the Facebook archives, find it on the podcast and listen to it because the way that these are coming together It was like two pieces of a puzzle just coming together that I had no idea what he was going to be preaching on last week. And it just, three quarters of the way through his message, I heard the Holy Spirit say, Sammy, I gave him part one of the message, and I gave you part two. And so that's when I made my way up to Pastor Tony and Pastor Alicia and said, "Uh, guess what? (laughs) I guess I'm preaching next week. So of course they gave me permission and it was so gracious of them to do that. But it just all worked out for that. I had surgery almost two weeks ago, a little less than two weeks ago. And so I had all the excuses to say, no, I'm not ready for this. I don't need to do this. I'm still recovering. But you know what? Um, I feel fantastic. (laughs) And uh, I went to my surgeon this week and he just kind of checked over my incisions and he took the Band-Aids off and he went, Sammy... I've never seen anybody heal this fast, and I said, well, that makes sense, because God's got something he wanted to do this weekend, so I, I feel perfectly fine, don't worry about me, I, I really feel like I could run a mile, I'm, I'm not going to, but um, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling good, and I'm so ready to do this this morning, but the message title this morning is called Surrounded, And usually when people hear the term surrounded in a spiritual sense, they automatically think of their enemy. Oh, I'm surrounded by my enemy. Yes, you are. However, that's not the first line that we encounter when you're surrounded. In fact, there's a lot of armies that the enemy needs to come through to get to you first. First. And because I'm using a reference to The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, <laughs> which is one of my favorite movie series, at the end of this, sur- at the end of this service, I'm, I have thought of five armies total, four of which the enemy would have to get through to get to you. And that is the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the army of God. And it's after those things that the enemy, yes, he is surrounding us, but all of those other armies come before him that are surrounding you. And so first, I want to talk about the Father. And I think that there's a lot of misconceptions about the Father. I think that some people think that he's cold and distant and so far separated from us and that he's just waiting for us to mess up. And that when we mess up, he's just gonna strike us with a lightning bolt or he's gonna send us some kind of a punishment. And that's not the nature of our father. And then I've heard other people say that, well, you know what, God's really busy and he's got the matters of all of the world. Why does he care about what's going on in my life? And that's not the nature of the father. And we see that in scripture over and over and over again, that God fights our battles for us, big and small. And so I'm gonna read to you a story from 2 Chronicles chapter 20, but before I get there, I want to tell you a little bit about Jehoshaphat. King Jehoshaphat was ruler in Israel sometime after David, and, um, and this is what's so special about this story. I'm going to read to you um, a little bit before we get to that text from Second Chronicles chapter 17, verse 3 through 4. And now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals or false gods, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments. You see, Jehoshaphat had built relationship with the father. He knew the nature and the character of the father. And so when it came time that there were three enemy nations that surrounded the nation of Israel to take territory that was already theirs... Jehoshaphat had already built that relationship with the Father, and he knew what to do. So I'll give you just a second, if you have your Bibles, to flip to Second Chronicles chapter 20. And it's a bit of a text. It's going to take me a hot minute to read it, but I'm going to read the whole thing because it's just so good. And I'll take little pauses in between just to tell you what's so amazing about it. But here we go. Some time later, the armies of Moab and Ammon, together with the Munites, went to war against Jehoshaphat. Messengers told Jehoshaphat, a large army from Edom, east of the Dead Sea, has invaded our country. They have already reached on Gadi. Jehoshaphat was afraid, so he asked the Lord what to do. And he told the people of Judah, go without eating to show their sorrow. And they immediately left for Jerusalem to ask for the Lord's help. After everyone from Judah and Jerusalem had come together at the Lord's temple, Jehoshaphat stood in the front of the new courtyard and prayed. And this is what I love You, Lord, are the God our ancestors worshiped. And from heaven you rule every nation in the world. You are so powerful that no one can defeat you. Our God, you forced out the nations who lived in this land before your people Israel came here, and you gave it to the descendants of your friend Abraham forever. Our ancestors lived in this land and built a temple to honor you. They believe that whenever this land is struck by war or disease or famine, your people can pray to you at the temple, and you will hear their prayer and save them. You can see that the armies of Ammon and Moab and Edom are attacking us. Those are the nations you would not let our ancestors invade on their way from Egypt. So these nations were not destroyed. And now they're coming back to take the land you gave us. Aren't you going to punish them? We won't stand a chance when this army attacks. We don't know what to do. We are begging for your help. I'm gonna pause there because I love his prayer and I love his worship. He started out talking to God by like showing him a list and saying, look at all these things that you've done before. Look at how good you've been to us. You've rescued us so many times. You are so amazing, God. But then he gets kind of raw. And the first time I read it, I thought, oh, that's rude. And when he says, you know, you think we're gonna scare God away, aren't you gonna punish them? And, and I think we get timid in our prayers, like, oh, Lord won't you please come to my rescue? But if you don't have time, that's okay, I understand. No, Jehoshaphat was so bold in his prayer because he had already built relationship with the father and he knew his character and he knew he wasn't gonna scare him away. And he knew that he wasn't going to anger the father by by being real and being honest. So he said, aren't you gonna do something, Lord? We're kind of surrounded here. And then what I love is the next part. While every man, woman, and child of Judah was standing there at the temple, the Lord's spirit suddenly spoke to Jehazael, a Levite from the Asaph clan. Then Jehazael said, your majesty and everyone from Judah and Jerusalem, the Lord says that you don't need to be afraid or let this powerful army discourage you. God will fight on your side. So here's what you must do. Tomorrow, the enemy armies will march through the desert and around the town of Jurio. March down and meet them at the town of Ziz as they come up to the valley. You won't even have to fight. Just take your positions and watch the Lord rescue you from your enemy. Don't be afraid. Just do as you're told. And as you march out tomorrow, the Lord will be there. Jehoshaphat bowed low to the ground and everyone worshiped the Lord. And then some Levites from the Kohath and Korah clan stood up and shouted praises to the Lord God of Israel. Here's what God said. God said, just show up. All you gotta do, don't be afraid. Just show up, get into position. He didn't say, as Pastor Corey said, go hide in a corner and I'll take care of it. Don't worry, kid, I got it. He still had it, but he still wanted them to show up. See, there's mornings where you don't feel like coming in here, and you don't feel like praying, and you don't feel like worshiping, but God says, I've already done it. I'm going to fight your battle for you. Just show up. Just get into position, and I got it. Yeah. It's so cool. And so here's what happens next. Early the next morning, as everyone got ready to leave for the desert near Tekoa, Jehoshaphat stood up and he said, listen, my friends, if we trust the Lord God and believe what these prophets have told us, the Lord will help us and we will be successful. And then he explained his plan and appointed men to march in front of the army and praise the Lord for his holy power by singing, praise the Lord, his love never ends. How many times have we heard Pastor Elisha say in worship when they send the worshipers to the front of the army? Because the Israelites didn't know what God was going to do, they just knew he was true to his word. And so their first initial gut reaction and response was well, we should worship. He says we just have to show up and we just, we got to march out. We just got to get into position, but let's worship because we know the goodness of God and we know the faithfulness of God. So we should, we just worship them. That's what we're going to do. And so they sent their worshipers to the front of the army and they, that's who led them out to this battle from these three nations that were coming up against them. And here's what happens next. As soon as they began singing, the Lord confused the enemy camp so that the Ammonite and Moabite troops attacked and completely destroyed those from Edom. And then they turned against each other and fought until the entire camp was wiped out. (laughs) That just cracks me up. When Judah's army reached the tower that overlooked the desert, they saw that every soldier in the enemy's army was lying dead on the ground. And so Jehoshaphat and his troops went into the camp to carry away everything of value. I think that's so amazing. And uh, I've I've been chewing on this scripture pretty much the whole week, just reading this chapter over and over and over again. And I thought, what confused them? Obviously the power of God. But what specifically confused them? And I thought, what was their worship? Because think of it in terms of your own life. And I'm a visual person, so I, I kind of imagine it like, the demons are having a conversation of, about what it's like when you come to church here on a Sunday. <laughs> and they're like, listen, I've been speaking lies to her all week and I've been throwing stuff at her all week and I've been messing with stuff in her life and in her relationships and, and I've been like throwing everything I've got, every, every arrow I've had in my quiver, I have thrown at her. And then the one next to him is like, yeah, well, you didn't do enough because obviously she's still here and look at her. She's, she marched out and she got in position and she's worshiping. And then that one looks at the other one is like, yeah, well, he came too, and you were supposed to throw all of your arrows at him and he's here and they're fighting back and forth. And pretty soon <laughs> they kill each other and they're all wiped out. That's what, that's what God does. And that's how we use our worship as warfare. That's what worship is. And it's not, I heard this spoken a few weeks ago and it convicted my heart, that worship isn't just a genre of music. It's a position of the heart. And we use worship music, yes, as a weapon. And sometimes just putting worship music on in my car can completely bring me up out of something, but that's not where it stops, Worship is laying on your bathroom floor when you feel like you can't get up and do a single other thing, but saying, oh God, you're so good. And I know you see my pain, but you just keep worshiping. And that's exactly what Jehoshaphat did. And that's exactly what this army did. It confused the enemy and wiped them out. Amen, isn't that awesome? Yeah. And so the next I wanna talk about Is the son, and I could talk about Jesus all day. He's like my best friend. I spent most of um, probably my childhood up through my teenage years really learning a lot about the Father. But then most of my 20s, it was just all Jesus, just building a relationship with Jesus, talking with Him every day. And Jesus, yes, was sent to be the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice and payment for our sin. But I believe He was also sent here and came willingly so that he could teach us the practical ways to fight this enemy because he faced the enemy right, right after in Matthew chapter 4 when he gets baptized by John the Baptist and then before he goes and does anything really in his ministry he goes into the wilderness and he's tempted by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights and Satan just, it's Matthew chapter 4 if you want to look it up I'm not going to read the whole thing But Satan hurls everything at him, every temptation, every lie. And Jesus fires back with the word of God every time, every arrow. And you know what's funny? Not funny, but just for the sake of the word, the enemy knows the word of God too. Only he twists it. He perverts it. He makes it confusing. But that didn't fool Jesus, the son of God. He just said, no, Don't you twist the words of my father. I know the nature of my father. I know who my father is. And one by one, 40 days, 40 nights, he just keeps flinging the word of God. People, if we don't get in in the word of God, we're missing out on what our weapons are that we have. We have our worship. We have the word that God gave us and his promises. And when it comes to our enemy, every time we use the word of God against him, it reminds him that he is running on borrowed time because he knows that the word of God so far, every prophecy that has, has come to, about Jesus our Messiah, most of them have already been fulfilled to the T. And so the ones that remain like we talked about in Revelation a few weeks ago. Those ones are coming, and Satan knows those scriptures. He knows them well. I'm sure he studied them day and night, and he's doing everything in his power to keep it from happening. That's why he constantly goes up against the nation of Israel. That's why he did everything he could to kill Jesus, to stop the word of God from happening. So when we fling a scripture at him, we're just stinging his heart, reminding him, you're on borrowed time. Your time is running out every single second, and he hates that. Next, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. And I'll be honest, the Holy Spirit has always been such a mystery to me. <laughs> and throughout my life, I've learned little bits at a time. I learned about the gifts, and then I had to figure out what mine were. <laughs> and then you learn about the anointing. When I married my husband, he, he said the word anointing. I'm like, what's that? And I talked to my mother-in-law, what, what is that? Well, then I learned what the anointing is, but I've still been trying to figure out the Holy Spirit, and just as of the last couple of months, I've been doing a lot of study about how leaning into the Holy Spirit is like an everyday thing, and he cares about those everyday battles, big or small, and um, leaning into the Holy Spirit and allowing him, like literally stepping back. Again, visual person, I just picture stepping out of that situation and leaning back and surrendering what I would, in my flesh, like to do and what I would like to react to and what I would like to say and saying, no, 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 (laughs) and like leaning back. Okay, Holy Spirit, you do it. You do it. And I've, I've heard, I've been listening to these messages about amazing things that God has done when people step back and lean into the Holy Spirit and start interceding. They don't start throwing things and being wild and crazy, but interceding in their spirit for the situation, for the atmosphere. If you ever walked into a room and it's just, there's darkness, you can feel it. There's tension, there's conflict. That's what the Holy Spirit's there for. You can completely change the atmosphere when you walk in, when you know the Holy Spirit's with you, you can completely change it. Yeah. And so... I'm going to read to you um, a scripture from Romans chapter 8, verses 11 through 14. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but is not to the flesh, but to live according to the spirit. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the spirit, you will live. And see, dying to our flesh means living to the spirit. And when you react out of your flesh, that's usually when we say the things that we wish we could take back, that do absolutely no good, but cause more disruption and more turmoil in your life. But when we step back... (laughs) We say, okay, Holy Spirit, even if you need to take a minute, how, what do you want to say here? What do you want to do? Maybe you don't want me to say a thing. Maybe you don't want me to do a thing. But maybe you're gonna do something in that person's life, or in that in this situation, you're gonna do something. You're gonna start to work on the hearts of the people. You're gonna start to change this atmosphere. You're gonna de-escalate the room. Right? That's how we die to our flesh and live by the spirit, not by reacting but by leaning in. And um, I have a few examples. Um, my little girl, Lacey's over there, and I told her, I said, can, can I have permission to tell this story? Because I, as I've been learning how to practice this, like every day, like showing, I'm a, I'm a dance teacher and I'm pretty much dance every day. And like any other thing that you're trying to do, you need to practice it every day, every day. And I thought, well, I'm going to teach my kids how to do this, because this is probably the single most important thing that I can teach them in their spiritual walk. Because one day, they're not going to need to depend on me as much, but they're always going to have to depend on the Holy Spirit every day of their life. And so I've been teaching Lacey and even little Reese, she's only four, Lacey's almost nine. I've been teaching them about the Holy Spirit, and how if you feel like there's something on TV that kind of gives you that yucky feeling in your belly, turn it off. I even had a show on that I was kind of okay with, and Lacey was like, Mommy, I don't think this is appropriate. (laughs) And at first, I was like, oh, come on. And, And then I thought, wait, 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 I'm trying to teach her how to practice leaning into the Holy Spirit. Yes, you're right, we're turning it off. And I was so proud of her for that, because that's what I want. I want her to know that when she walks into someone's house or a store or a situation in her, in her whether it's childhood or teenagerhood or adulthood, that the Holy Spirit's like, no, 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 I don't want to go in there. I need her to know to listen to that, especially when I'm not there. I need her to know that when she's in her 20s and there's a relationship that's not right, that there's something not good, even though they might be saying all the right things, but if that's not, if the Holy Spirit doesn't like it and it's gripping on her belly, I need my daughters to know that that's not right. That's not it. And so we are just, well, just start small though. Start small. So um, this, she's, like, she's like this fiery little girl. I don't know if you, if you haven't met my daughter. She's a world changer for sure. But she's just full of spirit and full of fire and she's just energy all the time, ever since she was born. And so because of her personality... She really doesn't have time for multiple choice tests. <laughs> and, um, and I completely agree. I think that multiple choice tests are not of God. <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta rip them out of our school system, they're awful. I never was a great test taker, so I like, commiserate with her because I know they're really difficult, but she just wants to rush, rush through. And um, so this year we've been trying to teach her and teach her, slow down, take your time, try not to get distracted, just really focus. And so one night, and, and these tests were kind of giving her like, she, she didn't know how to word it, but she said like, oh, it's making my belly hurt. And I said, well, that's, that's like anxiety. That's what that is. It's like when it's kind of ripping in your belly. And she's like, yeah, that's what it is. And I said to her at bedtime the night before her test, I said, you know what, Lacey? God really cares about your test. He really wants you to do a good job. And you know what? That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit can go with you. And he's gonna, he's gonna be right there when you take your test. And, and I said, just ask him, take a minute before you even put pen pencil to the paper and ask the Holy Spirit to come into the room and, and to help you do this. And she said, okay, mommy. And so the following night at, at bedtime, this is usually when our spiritual talks happen, right, Lace? She's, I'm tucking her in and she said, mommy, guess what? I said, what? She's like, when I took my test today, I asked the Holy Spirit to come into the room and help me take my test. I said, oh yeah? And she's like, yeah, and guess what? He came in. And, and she's like, she's like, I could feel him. I thought, oh, and it still gives me goosebumps that my daughter can feel the Holy Spirit. So cool. And, she said, and then she said this. She said, I felt like I was at the center of the universe. And... I thought, oh, that's kind of funny that she said that. But I say, you know what, sweetheart? You are at the center of God's universe. He cares about your test. And he cares about your work. And he cares about your relationships. And he cares about everything that we kind of say, you know what, this is just a small thing. I got this, God. Like, you've got all these other bigger things. No, 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 that's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. Yes, we have the gifts. Yes, we have the anointing. But we're not gonna be known by those things. We're gonna be known by the fruit. All of the fruit of the Spirit, that's what we're gonna be known by. That's why he sent it to us, so that when we're in our house... And the atmosphere starts to get a little yuck. And there's tension and there's something. We can take a step back and practice leaning into the Holy Spirit. If you take one thing from this sermon, my goodness, go home and practice this throughout your week. Just see what God will do. And then come back next week and we'll just talk about it. Yeah. But it takes practice. And you are completely surrounded by God and the Son and by the Holy Spirit. And so next, I wanna talk about the army of God. Man, like that vision I saw. And you say, Sammy, something must be real special about you because you were born into like family that believes. Listen, the very fact that you're here means that someone, somewhere, I believe this all my heart, has prayed for you. It could be someone that you passed on the street. It could be someone that was your teacher in the second grade that believed in you and saw potential in you and prayed over you. It, it could be, you say, I don't know, I don't, my, my family's not spiritual, I'm the, only, I'm the only one who believes. It doesn't matter, you have no idea. You have no idea who's been fighting your battles for you all along, you don't even know about it. So my question is, who has been fighting in your army and in whose army have you been fighting? And that's a convicting statement for me because I saw this whole army and I thought, am I fighting in their battles? And maybe, just maybe, we could consider looking around and say, whose army can I fight in? Because I wanna go to battle for people in this room. And this is an army of believers and prayer warriors in and of itself. I have seen so many things happen through prayer in this building and in this body. And we can go to war with each other and for each other. And if you think you're all alone in this, you're so not. And if you need someone to stand with you today before you leave this building, we have people who are willing to stand in the gap and fight for you. I'm going to read before I go into um, a little clip that I want to play from one of my favorite movies. I'm going to read to you um, Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. You see, yes, the final one I want to talk about, and notice I talked about him last, is our enemy and this is what he does first of all as pastor cory said he comes to kill and to steal and destroy everything in your life and to fight after over your soul even though jesus already has it he wants to do everything he can to kind of distract you and discourage you all the time but he also goes before god and accuses you day and night according to this scripture But then in the very next statement, it says he's been hurled down and he will be very soon. I believe it with all my heart that his days are numbered. And this just leads me into this clip that I want to play from this movie. If you haven't seen the Hobbit series, please watch it. (laughs) I'll come watch it with you. It's the best. Um, This winter, because it's just so awful in Pennsylvania. Winters are just the worst. So... Um, I can't tell you how many times I've watched the Lord of the Rings series. And we just decided, well, let's just go through all of them. We'll just start from the beginning, work our way all the way through. Then we'll do The Hobbit. Like, and, like every Friday night and Saturday night, kind of we'll just watch like 30 minutes or 45 minutes. It, it's long movies, people. And we watch the extended versions, so it's even longer. But we're like, yeah, we're, we're going to have our kids who most people are like, your kids are too young to watch those movies, but they're awesome. And they're not afraid. I've taught, even my little four-year-old, when she sees the goblins and the ookie creatures come on the screen, she's like, ah, they're silly, mommy. Like, yeah, I know they are. You don't need to be afraid of those. So um, if you haven't seen the movie, I'll give you kind of a precursor to this clip. In The Hobbit, there's a group of dwarves that take along a hobbit. If you don't know what a hobbit is, it's a short little person (laughs) with big feet. And um, they go on a quest. And they go go to the Lonely Mountain. And the Lonely Mountain is a place that used to be the home, the territory of the dwarves. It was where they lived. It was where they worked. And they had many, many riches. Piles and piles and piles of gold. And at some point, a dragon by the name of Smog or Smaug, depending how you pronounce it, comes in and takes over their territory. But in the meantime, right next to that mountain is a town full of people, humans like you and me. And he completely terrorizes the town and wipes them out with fire. And in this clip, you're going to see there's a man. And that man's grandfather, at the time when Smaug took over, this grandfather had just a handful of arrows, arrows that were specifically designed to pierce the skin of the dragon because not just anything can pierce his, his scales are too thick. You can't just shoot any arrow at him, but he had these specifically made arrows and not very many of them. But during this battle, he's, he's pulling back and each one misses one after another and the people are mocking him because he, has, he wasn't able to to get the dragon, but the last one that he fired that he could find, this grandfather of this man you're gonna see, he he aims it at this dragon and it removes a scale from his chest right by his heart. It didn't pierce him, but it removed the scale. And so a couple generations later, we get to this man and this man is mocked because his grandfather wasn't able to slay the dragon. And he says, yeah, but he removed one of his scales. And so, I'm going to go ahead and um, play this clip. Take a, take a watch. I, we watched that a couple weeks ago, and I told Shane, I was like, I have to put that in my sermon. Because it, it makes every hair in my body stand up. Because that's what our Savior does. And throughout the last couple of weeks, since I've watched that, when I feel the enemy accusing me about my past or about even something in my present and hurling insults and lies in my direction I've been picturing my Savior saying look at me don't look at him look at me and his arrow just resting on my shoulder getting ready to penetrate the very spot that that army of God removed the scale right in prayer generations have come before you whether you know it or not and they've been waging wars that you didn't even know were happening so that your battle could be won but it's not one on your own it's won by the father and the son and the holy spirit and the army of god that are surrounding you and yes your enemy is there and he is accusing you day and night but the scripture already tells us what's happening to him and what's going to happen to him so can i pray over you can you stand because we're going to invite you Our worship team's up here and they're they're ready to go to war for you. And our prayer partners can come up and they're ready to go to war for you. And I wanna invite you up before you go into this week to enter into this week out of a state of worship and warfare saying, you know what? No matter what he flings at me, I've got one to fire right back at him and my God's victorious. Father God, thank you for the army of believers that you've given to surround us and cover us and protect us in prayer. Thank you that it's not our enemy that we have to look at first, it's you. That you are our first lines of defense and that you're surrounding us Day in and day out, there's not a single thing that happens that you don't see. And yes, we're going to have pain. And yes, we're going to have tribulations. You told us that. You promised us that. But you also promised us that you're never going to leave. And we can keep our eyes on you. And I pray for every man, woman, and child in this building as they go into this week and the weeks to come. That every time they feel like they're surrounded by their enemy, remind them of this that they are first surrounded by you and that your arrow is resting right on their shoulder and that all they need to do is keep your eyes on them and they need to march to the battlefield, keeping their eyes on you, getting into position and they can worship and you're gonna do it for them. I pray this in your mighty name, Jesus, that this would stick and seal into everyone's heart. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.